Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. You've probably heard about Fiverr, a global marketplace of skilled freelancers. But sometimes businesses need to manage multiple complex projects simultaneously. That's why they created Fiverr Pro, where you can gain access to the very best freelancers, streamline your workflow with a user-friendly dashboard, and collaborate on projects with your team. Designed to handle projects of any size, Fiverr Pro is the ultimate freelance solution for your business. With no hidden membership or subscription fees to get started, visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. Hi, stay tuned listeners. As many of you know, we recently launched Cafe Insider. It's a subscription service that includes the Cafe Insider podcast, co-hosted by Ann Milgram and me. Each week, we break down the news and make sense of what's happening. We are living through historic times, and many people understandably feel lost in the daily deluge of headlines. Our goal is to help you filter the noise and get to the core of the issues at the intersection of law and politics. From time to time, we'll make portions of our conversations on the Cafe Insider podcast available free to listeners. Today, we're bringing you a segment from our most recent episode, Anne and I dig deep into BuzzFeed's bombshell report about Michael Cohen and the rare statement in response from the special counsel. We also discuss the latest comments from Giuliani about Mueller's investigation. If you'd like to hear the full episode, become a member by going to cafe.com insider. Members get access to the Insider podcast, bonus clips from Stay Tuned interviews, a weekly newsletter, and more. For the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work. Full episodes of Stay Tuned remain free every Thursday, and the subscription allows us to keep doing what we're doing. And now, here's a portion of our conversation from Cafe Insider. From Cafe, this is Cafe Insider. I'm Preet Bharara. And I'm Ann Milgram. Hi, Ann. Hey, Preet. I, you I see you're wearing a lot of layers. A lot of layers. It is cold in New York City. I think it's six degrees Oof. as we record this on Monday morning. But it's uh, it's hot in the studio, as they say. Did they say that? <laughs> no. I, think, I think somebody. I haven't says heard that. it before, but I'm good with it. So I'm very excited. We've been we've been purposely not communicating this weekend. Yes. So we can have a uh, non-rehearsed conversation about all the crazy stuff that happened at the end of last week. Just to quickly summarize, and then we should break it down. BuzzFeed had this uh, very provocative article that very starkly stated that it had two law enforcement sources who said that Donald Trump directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress. And that that had been told to the special counsel's office and that there were also presumably emails or text messages that there was a written document documentation of this fact. So corroboration, not just relying on Michael Cohen. And everyone was freaking out about that and saying lots of things. And we'll talk about how you and I were more pessimistic about it or at least cautious about it. And then uh, about 20 hours later, sometime later, the special counsel's office, through its spokesperson, who doesn't do a lot of spoking, Peter Carr, put out a statement basically saying uh, that a lot of the things were not correct. And we can go through that statement also. And then this weekend, 
our favorite former United States attorney, not for the right reasons, Rudy Giuliani went on the air and said a lot of crazy stuff too. So yes, yes. Let's, let's, let's sort of go back through this. Now, you know, we, we both led law enforcement offices and from time to time you talk to the press and sometimes it's not that you're reaching out to the press. Sometimes the press has a story and they're obligated, if they're ethical press people, to run the story by you, even if they expect to get a no comment. Right. And so the odd thing about this... And, and this is an yeah. important point, just because they are obligated, and a good journalistic group will always come to you and say, you know, this is what we have, do you have a comment? And so you get a preview of the story as it relates usually to your agency. So like, let's say, you know, when I was a state AG, they wouldn't say to me, you know... The, we have this about the FBI. They would say, this is what we have related to your specific agency or your investigation. And then they would ask you for a comment on that. And, you know, most of the time in law enforcement, it's a no comment. Um, I, I had a policy, a sort of soft policy of also if there was something that was, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, but if there was something that was completely wrong related to our office, we would never let that go. And we would not necessarily go on the record, but we would make sure that it was clear to the reporter that sort of that's not on, accurate. Yeah, it sort of depends on what it is. So I, I guess the, the, the question that I had when Peter Carr of the special counsel's office put out that statement was, how can it be that BuzzFeed has an article that presumably they passed by the special counsel and then 20 hours later, the special counsel says, that's all wet. Now, I, I suppose it's the case, and the Washington Post has an article sort of behind the scenes as, as to how this happened. There is a, an absolute sort of blanket policy of not commenting you know, in my office, we had that general policy also. And and to explain to people the reason for that is if the press thinks that you're going to give them the green light or the red light, depending on what they have, uh, if they say, look, we're going to report that you're investigating A, B, and C, but we're not investigating C, you end up becoming sort of their editor. Exactly. Oh, you also end up confirming that you're investigating A and B, yes. and you never will do that, right? You never want to be a part of that. So we would have this policy and we would have this discussion. But I think you were getting at this a second ago. There are times when... And they're very rare times, very but rare there times. are times. But there are times when a report is so off base, and, and you remember what sort of the, the goal of the prosecutor is, is not to just win convictions, but to do justice. That great injustice and reputational harm will befall some innocent person who they have the wrong story on. And so behind the scenes, you sometimes will have to say, that's not right. So for example... You know, in our hypothetical discussions in my office, I would say, well, what if a reporter came to us and said, um, we're about to report that you're investigating, you know, Senator so-and-so for child pornography possession, and it was totally wrong. Then you make an exception to your no-comment policy. Because otherwise there's going to be an article saying the U.S. Attorney's Office is, is investigating, and you're right about people's reputation and the impact that that those articles can have. This is a great example of the BuzzFeed story drops Members of Congress are calling for impeachment. Yeah. There's this incredible wave that happens in the national media almost immediately as a result of the story. And so it is an incredible consequence. The The Washington Post article is interesting. And the, the thing it seems to say is that the BuzzFeed reporter went to Peter Carr, the spokesman, and said, we're going to run a story essentially that says that Trump directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress. What he didn't say, according to a number of sources, and it sounds like there might even be some emails that back this up, what he didn't say is that the special counsel's office has a wit has witnesses and has been told that Trump directed 
this. And so by Michael Cohen, by Michael Cohen. And that is and and by other members of the Trump organization. That's a huge difference. And I think it's important to, to sort of parse that out a little, because if I come to you and say, yeah, I've got evidence of of you know, Michael Cohen being directed to lie. It's very different than me saying you have evidence of Michael. Like the evidence I have is your evidence. Right. It, it, more, it would more easily prompt you to correct it. One of the reasons I was skeptical, and I think many people were skeptical, even before Peter Carr issued a statement, is that you had on the same day, and we talked about this a couple of months ago, two submissions related to Michael Cohen. You had the, the SDNY sentencing submission, and then you had the special counsel sentencing submission. With respect to the, the SDNY sentencing submission, you had the SDNY in their brief say very specifically that Michael Cohen did the payoff, you know, the hush money payoff, right? Uh, in coordination with and at the direction of individual one, the president. And you very sort of distinctly had a different story with respect to the guilty plea of Michael Cohen for lying to Congress and the special counsel's uh, memo. They did not say that was done at the direction of Trump. So... You would think if they had that, there would have been more symmetry between the two documents, and there wasn't, which caused me to be confused about the BuzzFeed article. Completely. And and I think you and I might have talked about this actually at the time that it happened, which is that, you know, Cohen walks in and he says Trump directed the illegal campaign contributions to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, right, that I was directed. And then the the Southern District confirms that in their memo. On this, it's always Cohen basically saying, I did it to be consistent um, with individual one, the president's um, political strategy, and out of loyalty to him. And it was very clear, I think, to both of us at the time that if Trump had directed him, you know, why would you say he directed me in one and not in the other, unless the facts were that Cohen was making an effort to be consistent? You know, and I think that one of the interesting debates happening now is, okay, there's one version of events in which the president directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress. That makes the president guilty of a crime, right? Flatly. Flatly. Which if, is why people kept saying the word impeachment, right. and all sorts of um, strong language because the lead of the BuzzFeed article was so strong. It didn't say suggested. It didn't say, you know, sort of wanted him to do it. It said directed. Right. And the second piece is, so what people have been debating, and I think it's a pretty interesting debate, is let's say the president didn't direct Michael Cohen, but Michael Cohen made it clear to a member of the Trump organization or to somebody else who was close to the president look, don't worry about my testimony. I'm going to say that it ended in January. That, you know, and this is all about when the conversations over the Moscow Trump Tower ended. Cohen said to Congress it ended in January of 2016, when in fact it went, Cohen said it went till June of 2016. Giuliani said over the weekend, October, November, up till the election. And so, you know, that 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 was a big issue for the president in terms of how long the investigation would go on for it and what the president's, you know, involvement with the Russians was. And so, but but I think it's the question people are asking now, which is an interesting one is, so if Trump knows, if he just knows that Michael Cohen's going to lie, is he guilty of a crime? No. Look, I, I think I think the thing that would cause people to use that I word is if there were real direct evidence, as the BuzzFeed article initially indicated, that the president directed the lie. But you and I both know that the likelihood there is a an imprint corroborated direction from the president to go lie to Congress is incredibly low. Yes. The way this happens... Almost zero. Yeah, it's, you know, people have been making analogies to the mob, and I think that's not actually not inappropriate. Leaders of organizations and mob families, they want things done, and people understand what the boss wants, and the boss doesn't have to spell it out, which is why that 
that language directed was very sort of odd to me. Yes. And and actually, Cohen's language is closer to what you're saying, which is I, I was consistent with what I heard them saying and doing and what their political messaging was. And I was loyal to him, so I followed the message. Um, and the question, I think, for Cohen, and you know, I suspect he'll be asked this on February 7th when he testifies before Congress, but the question is, you know, did you talk to anybody about your congressional testimony? Did you tell anyone what you were going to say? Did anybody tell you what you should say or offer suggestions um, on a timeline, you know, there'll be a lot of a lot of inquiries on that, I suspect. Let me ask you this question, because here's the other thing that I thought might be swirling around here. Remember, Michael Cohen uh, was accused of lying and pled guilty to lying to Congress, not just based on oral testimony. He submitted a two-page written, written statement. statement. Now, you and I both know that statement was not sort of typed up the night before by Michael Cohen himself and then submitted to Congress. That's a great question of who that, saw it. Yeah. Yes, there must have been, which is why I, I, I thought there was some plausibility to this corroborating evidence of emails and documents, because presumably there exists somewhere in the world a series of emails between and among lawyers and White House folks uh, where Michael Cohen or his lawyer drafted a statement and it made some representations about when the, the, the Trump-Moscow real estate deal ended. And somebody might have commented in an email chain, hey, wait a minute, I think it's very important that the deal ended before the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, I think I think it is completely plausible that that Cohen's written statement was seen by people outside of his legal team. And so I think that's a great question of, you know, for members of Congress to ask, which is who saw it? What, if anything, did they say to you about it? Um, and you're right, there could be an email trail that he forwarded the document or his lawyer forwarded the document, and it could have been to Trump's lawyers or other members of the organization. And I think there are real questions there. And I think there are two other things I, I want to ask about, which is, first of all, you know, one of the things that was unique about the BuzzFeed story, and one of the reasons why I think it took off so quick was this law enforcement piece. But the language is pretty interesting. Two law enforcement officials involved in an investigation, right? Yeah, look, you, know, you like to think that there's like, you know, a, a concrete wall, so to speak, not to use a metaphor that's overused lately, around investigations. And there sort of is. But sometimes law enforcement agents who are working on a sensitive matter, and I'm not accusing anyone of anything, in the course of doing their duties or in the course of having other people assist them, even though they're not the core agents on the investigation, may say things to other agents. And that over here on the part of other agents or law enforcement officials may be the basis on which these people came forward to the press and had a distorted view of the evidence. Why would any law enforcement? I, so I think there are a couple points. One is we have not seen Mueller's team leak. And so, you know, and I think Mueller is deadly serious about not having leaks in his organization, whether it's from the agents or the the lawyers. So, you know, why would these law enforcement agents leak? Well, you know, that's a question that I've had for many, many years. Um, law enforcement agents sometimes leak. Yeah. I believe prosecutors very, very, very rarely leak. And I was never aware of that happening in my office, although there's been some suggestion and hypothesizing that it's SDNY. Uh, I would always say if I ever knew of someone in my office, uh, an assistant U.S. attorney in my office, leaking to the press, that would be the last day that they yeah. worked in that office. Yeah. But, I fired someone from, for leaking. I mean, I, I think, I, you know, this is a very serious, not a lawyer, but but someone associated with our um, criminal division. I, this is a very serious matter, and I would never tolerate a leak. And, um, you know, it just, it's really interesting to me, like, what motivates folks to to sort of come out and whether, I mean, obviously they believe it and BuzzFeed has said they're standing by it, but it's still, it's it's a pretty extraordinary thing for people to come out. I've been trying to figure this out for years. Some people just like to talk and like to tell people that they know something. 
I mean, there there were times when we had sensitive investigations and sometimes the press would show up at a location where they shouldn't have had any basis to know right. that there was going to be an action or an arrest at that location. And the conclusion is, someone sadly, told them. Some, yes. someone yeah. told them from the, from the inside. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To hear the rest of the episode, become a member now at cafe.com slash insider and get access to all insider content. That's cafe.com slash insider. <laughs>